Up in horsey heaven, here's the thing You trade your legs for angel wings And once we've all said goodbye You take a running leap and you learn to fly Sebastian I miss you in the saddest fashion Bye bye little Sebastian Your five thousand candles in the wind Today we welcome back to the show one of our favorite guests, Kirsten Lyons to talk about one of our favorite shows Parks and Recreation. Welcome to Pop Culture Catechism, conversations about music, movies, and the longings of the human heart. Let's get started. Can people with different belief systems and ways of living learn to respect each other? Can they maybe even be friends? How do we move on after falling short of our goals? What if our dreams don't materialize the way that we thought they would? What happens when you put an overachiever, a misanthrope, a loser, a hedonist, and a nihilist all in an office together? Oddly enough, you get one of the funniest, most bingeable TV shows ever made, Parks and Recreation. And I'm very excited today to get to talk about this wonderful, delightful, beautiful show with a wonderful, beautiful, delightful person who's been on our show before. If you watched the Sarah Bareilles episode, we had Kirsten Lyons on. She's been one of my favorite guests and I've been looking for a reason to have her back on. So I think you're really going to want to stick around and hear what she has to say. I got a lot of positive feedback about the episode that she was on before. So I can't wait to hear what she has to say about this show. If you don't know who I am, my name is Mike Tenney. I'm a Catholic speaker and worship leader from Washington, D.C. I spent over a decade teaching in Catholic high school school and also trying to make it big as a rock star at night. And now I'm blessed to speak to thousands of people each year and lead worship at events all over the place and through place show, Pop Culture Catechism. This is Pop Culture Catechism, the gospel according to pop music and movies, where we take a deep dive into the shows and the media that you're plugged into. So then when we unplug, we can actually walk out in the real world and have a better understanding of God's love and how to live that love in the world. So that is our promise for you. By the end of this episode, we're going to give you some real tangible, actionable ways that you can know the love of God better and live it in your life and have greater peace within. I want to give a special thank you to all of our patrons who support this show through popculturecatechism.com. Um, and I want to welcome to our show, Kirsten Lyons. Kirsten, welcome Hi. back. Welcome back to Pop thank Culture you. Catechism. Yeah, it's so good to have you back on. Tell us- I'm I'm so glad that I pitched myself to be back. Yeah, me too. Me too. Me too. And I've been wanting to do Parks and Rec for a while. I've been wanting to have you back on. So you, when you sent me an email, I was like, have you ever done Parks and Rec? And you like sent me this article you had written about Parks and Rec a few years back. I was like, yes, this is happening. So uh, for those who don't remember you or haven't watched the show that you were on before of our, of our, of our show, um, tell people who you are and what you've been up to. So I'm Kirsten Lyons. I'm a writer, director, actor. Um, I... Um, I'm a foster mom, an adoptive mom, also had a kid biologically. Um, and yeah, I, I host a podcast, although it's taking a break right now. We're trying to, we're discerning what kind of is the future, but I host a podcast called Crushed. The podcast, why is it that the life you like never likes you back? And that was based on an award-winning one-woman show called Crushed. Why is it that the boys you like never like you back? Which I have, um, maybe later in the show, I'll share a little bit about something that's happening with that. Um, yeah. 
So that's me. And I loved that Sarah Bareilles show so much. Mm -hmm. And um, I still think about what you shared about your wife. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, it was just such a special episode. And I felt really, really honored to um, be on it. Yeah, it was a special episode uh, for us too. And she, she actually came on the show. Uh, a few episodes later, we did Bridgerton, and uh, okay. she shared a little, a little bit more. And anyway, it's just been, it's, it's been cool to how that's things really have kind great. Of yeah, it's been great. So I'm just a huge fan of of everything you're doing. It's, it's been neat to kind of watch uh, your reels and TikTok blow up a little bit. You're, you know, I remember when you first started, it was kind of a grind, and now I, I think you've got like yeah. thirty thousand followers or something like that. On no, I have twenty thousand. Calm 20, down. Twenty thousand. I mean, still way more <laughs> than I have. So that's that's wonderful. Um, yeah. I, and I just think the stuff you make is hilarious and and moving and, and great. So if you don't Thank follow you. Kirsten, uh, definitely follow her on TikTok and Instagram and, and, and all the things. All right. So Parks and Rec listeners, if you don't know about Parks and Rec, you need to go watch Parks and Rec. It's just wonderful. But don't watch the first yeah, season. Yeah, don't watch the first season. <laughs> Ethan, our producer, before we started filming, he was like, I started watching the, the first episode and I just couldn't get into it. I was like, just start a season two. Just yes. it's, it's 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 so good from season two on. Yeah. Um, there's, there's some good stuff in season one, but really season two is where it takes off. Yeah. So it is an American political satire mockumentary sitcom. That's how Wikipedia describes it. It ran from 2009 to 2015 and they had a reunion episode in 2020 and it's it's very much in the style of the office uh but it's it's just so zany it it's, reminds me a lot of the office reminds me a lot of brooklyn 99 uh that we also we did an episode with katie mcgrady on that um and yeah just, i actually when you reached out to me the first time i reached out to katie and i was like who is this guy can i trust him should i go on this show she's like yeah we talked about brooklyn 99 he's great i was like okay cool awesome very cool thank you katie for the vote of confidence yeah she's great um all right. So uh, what do you love about this show, Kirsten? Oh my gosh. I think it's like, what don't I, I love this show with my whole heart. Uh, by the way, uh, I live in a community that is like, a, it's like a Stepford Wives community, but not. And they're doing, uh, I just hear leaf blowers right now because they literally clean constantly. Oh so gosh. I'm just apologizing. Uh, sorry. I'm, I'm sick. So I'm going to be sneezing and coughing. So. Oh, I don't. So, sorry. Listeners, Everybody's that's sick. I have kids. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm all right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. You're like, I'm fine. I am actually in a hospital bed, but I'm fine. <laughs> um, yeah. The show is just so, I think it's everything that I love about television and movies and it's everything the reason I got into it, you know, and the reason that I started creating. And I didn't start creating because of the show, but the show um, just is the example of everything. And I think it's disarming wit, um, heart, and um, just like hopefulness. I love how it's constantly pivoting and, and their lives are changing and it's real. You know, I think so many of these people go through these ups and downs and heartbreaks and losses and all these things and failure, failure is such a big part of this show. And the growth is such a big part of the show. And I, you can tell who writes it is in therapy. Um, <laughs> I, I love the creators of the show. They worked on the office. They created this, they created, mm. um, uh, Brooklyn nine nine and they also created the good place. Mm. Um, so yeah, I just, there's so much goodness in this show and it is so disarmingly funny yeah. and it's so, it's so, it's not schmaltzy. Yeah. I, it's I feel really like funny. when we were watching this show, like more than almost any other TV show that I've watched, it's just laugh out loud funny. Like this in Brooklyn yeah. Nine-Nine made us just laugh out loud, 
out so much. Like all those, all the little bits of like treat yourself, you know, yeah, fine leather goods, treat yourself. I love yeah. Jean Ralphio and his and his sister. The, Don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Ben's game that he creates, like the real nerdy game, yes, like, the Clones Clones of Dunshire. Dunshire. And I, I have a lot of friends who are like really into these like super complex games. Yes, like, Settlers of Catan times ten, and so that that whole game just it it i find it hilarious because so many of my friends are into that stuff i love uh, ron just like you know now when i say all the eggs and bacon that you have i mean all the eggs and bacon that you have uh yes i probably once a month look up uh tom haverford's like nicknames for stuff like the apps and desserts chicken parmesan is chicken chicken parm parm you know i just uh i call forks food rakes and just all all those zany things i just i just love them so so much um, but you're right. The first season is kind of a train wreck. I think Leslie is super annoying in that season. Mark is like this character you never hear from again. He's just, he's like a wannabe Jim, but not as endearing, you know, he's just, yeah. Anyway. Um, well, I think also with comedy, you have to find your footing. And I think yeah. this is why it's so important that for most comedies, you need to give it at least two seasons. And mm-hmm. I don't just mean it from a viewer I network. Because you're finding your footing, you're finding what works. And once you gel as a comedic cast mm-hmm. and as writers, it is just like magic. It's yeah. such magic. But you really have to allow the it to happen. And so that's why a lot of like The Office and all these kind of things, because you discover things. I think that's the thing with comedy that's so beautiful. I even look at like old TikToks and I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah, no, look what I discovered here that I didn't know there. Mm-hmm. And it really does. There's such discovery in comedy that I don't think it happens in much other medium. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think uh, another example, I, I, those examples are all good, but another one that I was thinking of is the Thor movies. You know, they realized yeah. that some of the first, some of the best parts of the first Thor movie were the comedy bits. And they're like, oh, Chris yes. Hemsworth actually is really good at improv. Yeah. So we're going to put him in with Guardians of the Galaxy. And then the last two yeah. Thor movies have been like really funny. And yeah, so it is. it is kind of funny how comedy needs to kind of like you said it needs to grow organically you need to find the right Mm -hmm. cast and the interaction of people and especially with improv and and so forth so yeah yeah that's that's really uh insightful so i'm like really insightful so i might have a (laughs) lot you are i think you are Uh, so speaking of that let's get into some of the uh insights about some of the themes okay this show so i'm I'm pulling up my notes oh that's good so one of the things that i love about this show is the show kind of starts off in my view, with stereotypes, you know, Leslie is this overachiever. Mm-hmm. Ron is kind of this curmudgeon, misanthrope, libertarian guy. They, mm-hmm. they each fit, you know, Andy's just kind of a loser, failure to launch kind of thing. But then throughout the show, they, each character goes on this wonderful arc where they yes. really flesh out their humanity. So is there uh, one character in particular that you want to start with that just their journey speaks to you? I mean, Leslie. Yeah, let's go there. Completely. Yeah. I mean, she's the star of the show too, yeah. but that's not why. Mm-hmm. Her, she's, I see so, there's, this is what I love about comedy in general, but especially shows like this, is I think you can see yourself in different pieces, right? And sometimes, like in The Office, there are times I see myself in Angela and I really don't want to see myself in Angela, right? Like I'm like, oh, like sometimes the people in our lives that drive us the most nuts, it's because they're, they're a mirror of actually what we don't like about ourselves. And that's a really hard thing to like come to, to come to grips with and grasp. And so 
anyway, so with that being said, Leslie, there are parts of Leslie that I see myself in that are really good. And there are parts of Leslie that I see myself in that are really embarrassing. Um, you know, Leslie knowing exactly what she wanted as a little girl and having those little videos that she uses in her campaign video later on is me. I knew I was going to be an actress from so, so young. And, um, and, and just like the dreaming and, and figuring out and pivoting and just like having this like eye on the prize in a healthy way, but also a really unhealthy way. And kind of, you know, she's such a steamroller yeah. and I'm such a steamroller. And I, I have learned, thank God for Al-Anon, which is friends and family of um, addicts where, you know, I realized how codependent I am, mm -hmm. but I have learned how to let people be and listen, which I think Leslie does. And she really, she'll always have that innate, I want to love you. There's this great, um, I don't know if it's GIF or GIF, but there's this great one. And it's this like ostrich chasing a giraffe. And the thing just says, let me love you. And the ostrich is like running after. And like, that is me in a nutshell. I'm, I want to love everybody. And 90% of it is so good. But 10% is, I think people are like, hey, give me some space. Yep. And yeah, so I can relate to that. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I mean, I love Leslie so deeply. Um, but there's also parts of her that are not me at all. I'm not type A. I don't have a million binders. Um, that's not me at all. So mm -hmm. I'm, I'm very, I have a ADHD brain. I, I am very scattered. I'm very messy. So there's different parts of us, but I think her arc and watching her also settle in with Ben and that relationship, I think, I think without a doubt, that's the best relationship on television. Mm -hmm. I don't really think there's a better one um, because I could dive into Jim and Pam and be like, well, there's a lot of things that maybe aren't healthy. <laughs> but I think Leslie and Ben are such a partnership mm -hmm. and um, he really believes in her and listens to her and she really believes in him and listens to him. Yes, yes. And they give and take in their dreams. Mm -hmm. And, you know, sometimes it's her turn to shine and sometimes it's his turn to shine. And he is never threatened by her. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that is so stunning to watch because that is so rare in life, mm -hmm. but that's really rare on television as well. I yeah. mean, most of the time you have these relationships where the woman is nagging. You know, I think about CBS sitcoms, the woman's yeah. nagging and the man's like, oh, I just want to, you know, and it's just like, it does they like each other. And that was, yeah. that's a huge thing. I, li I like theme. I like you and I love you. Mm -hmm. And my husband and I, I, I'm very um, humbled by the fact that that is very replicates our relationship, mm -hmm. and um, that wasn't like the case in previous relationships for yeah. me. So, yeah. um, so I'm very humbled. There's by two that. things you said that I, I want to talk about. The first, mm -hmm. the idea that Leslie has these awesome things about her. She wants to love people so hard. She want, has these dreams that she wants to pursue. She is so organized, but it also is like her deepest flaw, that, that 10% that goes yeah. a little bit overboard. And I think yeah. that's true for all of us in a way, there's like a gift yes. and then there's like this shadow that kind of comes with yes. the gift. And, yeah. um, you know, in, in Catholic theology and philosophy, they talk about a virtue. It's like a good character trait is found in, in like what they call the golden mean or like the, the magical middle ground. So like you want to mm. be brave, but you don't want to be reckless, but you also don't want to mm. be cowardly, you know, and you want to mm. be like patient, but you don't want to let people walk all over you and just be complacent. Right. But you don't mm -hmm. want to be impatient. So finding that middle ground mm. where you can 
have have the best of what is kind of your natural inclination, but not going overboard. Because what I've seen in many people who are like Leslie in my own life is this organization and this drive and this ambition, it can really turn into like super controlling. And like, this is the way I deal mm-hmm. with m- my anxiety of living through life and my fear of living through life mm-hmm. is I'm going to control everything. I'm going to think out every single possibility. And that can turn really toxic if you're, you're manipulating people in situations. Um, Taylor Swift has a great song called Mastermind where mm-hmm. uh, she talks about how she kind of tries to control everything because she can think like two steps ahead of everybody. Well, it also, it's safety. Yeah, it's safety. Yeah. But it is when you, when you are able to tame that and have some mm-hmm. peace within, then all of a sudden that is like a superpower. Like when Leslie is, is well-balanced, she is able Mm -hmm. to just like go full steam ahead. And so many of us, we, we, if we can find that inner peace, if we can find some, some healthy relationships and kind of deal with some of that healthy ways to deal with that insecurity, all of a sudden these, these tendencies in ourselves that in some ways are liabilities, all of a sudden they become like our greatest strength. They become really transformed and, and, resurrected really, you know, there's a great healing there. No, I, I 100% agree with that. And there's such a redemption in, um, you know, turning cringe into, um, creative, I think. like, <laughs> like allowing God to take our deficits that actually are these beautiful virtues, but that in left to our own devices can become such huge deficits. And and I totally echo what you're saying. And I think that Leslie, what's really beautiful there, you know, there's some, and I kind of pinpointed these later on, but like there's some really specific episodes where she's steamrolling or she's got, she heard, you know, she's like this racehorse with the blinders on and she Mm -hmm. can't see anybody that's like, Hey, don't turn there or whatever. And she finally, I think because, you know, God has allowed her to go through these other things that have happened, she finally takes a breath and, mm-hmm. and, and takes and, and listens to people. And I think that is the show's theme of like friendship relationship is so valuable because it's allowing the people that can speak into your life that have the authority to speak into your life Mm. because not everybody can speak into everybody's life. And just because, you know, I said this on crushed one time and I remember a lot of people messaged and were like, Whoa, but it was like, just because somebody loves God doesn't mean they, that they should be the one that you're telling stuff to. Yeah. uh And I think we, as Christians, Catholics, we sometimes can, and I, I, I can, I can only speak for myself. I'm guilty of like thinking, Oh, that person loves God. And I, start telling them something. And I'm like, you know what? They're not actually the right. I just had a thing where I told somebody some news last night and I didn't even really share the news. I just shared like this little kernel of something. And this person was like, oh my gosh, so is this happening? And I almost was deflated in a second. And I was like, no, I'm so proud of what's happening right now. And I'm not, this person was not hurting me. They just, it it was just like one of those things. They aren't the right person to talk to. Mm -hmm. And I think that Leslie and, and Anne, and there's so many people in the show, you learn who's healthy and who's safe and who, and I love that Jerry, the fall guy, I mean, Mm -hmm. eternally just like dropping stuff and, and (laughs) having a fart attack, which we don't say fart in my house, but my kids aren't here. So it's fine. (laughs) Um, but all these things, then you find out he has this incredibly, incredible family. uh And I love that when she's, she sees her, she sees his family and realizes I want to start a family with Ben Mm -hmm. and there's no right time to do it. And 
I want a full life. And Jerry had this full life and she, that is such a beautiful thing. She's humbled consistently. All the characters are, and it's real life. Yeah. That she is. allows herself to be humbled. We're humbled constantly, but does it actually allow us to be humbled? Yeah. Do we just get bitter from it? Yeah. Uh, I love what you said about um, how it can be tempting to just share everything with everyone all the time. Mm -hmm. And you got to kind of be choosy about who actually is a good person for me to share this with and who actually yes. has authority to, to, to speak into my life. And I think mm -hmm. it is easy to make a mistake with, with a godly person. Like yes. even, even going to a, a priest and I love priests and I have lots of great priest friends, you know, when you go to confession, but some priests don't give great advice. And sometimes going to confession, you might get some bad advice for a priest or some advice that might be good for somebody else, but they don't know the ins and outs of your situation. They're just hearing your sins for the first time. And so it can be important to be like, you know what, this, this person, they're trying to do their best, but I need to kind of take this with a grain of salt. But on the other side of it, if you're not, you know, somebody like you or me who loves, loves to share things publicly with, with people, some people have a hard time sharing things with anybody. Right. Yes. And that's, that's probably more like Ron is how hard is it to get to know Ron? Like he has this whole secret life. He doesn't want anybody to know that he's, he's playing saxophone. He's Duke Silver. Silver. He doesn't want anybody to know any of that. We'll, we'll get to Ron in a second. Cause the, the other thing you were talking about that I, I want to latch on to is Ben and Leslie and the way they mm -hmm. celebrate each other and support each other. And they're not threatened by each other. There's not this yeah. competition and something yeah. my, my wife and I keep discovering in our marriage, we've been married 11 years now is that the more we see our differences as strengths and lean into that rather mm -hmm. as, than as like something wrong with the other person, the stronger mm -hmm. our relationship is and the more we mm -hmm. appreciate each other, right? Mm -hmm. So something that my wife and I are, are not, not always like disagreeing about, but there's been this tension our whole life is she grew up with her dad as a contractor. And so he, her house was constantly in a state of projects. Like every weekend, he's got a project that he's working on. And like, that is not, me, you know, like I, I, I was a boy scout. I can build a fire, but like I was an athlete and I was a musician, like hanging drywall, all that stuff. It's not me. And so she's like constantly wanting to like redo the kitchen and redo this. And that's like, just, just not who I am, you know? Um, and I've, I've tried to get into it some, but something we've discovered recently is what am I good at? Like, I'm a good planner. Like I'm good at talking to people. So like, she's the designer and I'm the project manager. That's what we've decided. So like, we need to talk to a contractor. I'm going to be the one who actually calls when they show up to the house. I'm going to be the one that talks to them. You know, I'm going to make sure it's scheduled on the calendar. I'm going to, I'm going to handle those details, which really stress her out. She's going to handle the design, which are things I never would have even thought of or don't even be able to see the, the reason behind. But the fact that I can trust her to be like, you know, I don't see why we're doing this really, but I understand that it's important to you. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm all in for it and I'm going to do my part that I'm really good at. And, um, you know, it was, it was funny the other day she was at work and she was like, Hey, can you, uh, go measure the tubs? Cause we're like planning on redoing some of our bathrooms. And I was like, Oh, I already did it yesterday. And I put it in this Google doc that I made that is like details for our project. And she was just like, Oh my gosh, you're so hot. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> Which is like, so anyway, just, just real. And we keep discovering this, this in all different aspects of our relationship, these differences between us, the more we see them as gifts and I'm, I'm bad at this or I'm good at this. And the fact that she's not that good at it, instead of getting frustrated that she's not as good as something that I am, I say, oh, well then this is my role in the relationship to be really good at this when she's not as good as it. And so 
rather than getting frustrated with each other because we're not like each other, seeing that as like a positive thing and a thing to celebrate um, has been like game changer for us. And we, I feel like we keep relearning it over and over again. Well, I think it's also going back to the beginning when we were talking about comedy, right? Yeah. It's, it's the give and take and it's the, it's you, you're learning, you're gelling, you're learning your strengths and weaknesses and you're discovering things and a good marriage. Hopefully you're laughing a lot, Yeah. but like my husband, my husband, Bradley always says major on the majors which is what you're talking about. Like, look, there's some things that neither one of us are good at, but usually one person picks up the slack with one thing and one person picks up the slack with the other thing. And, and I think that, I think that it's beautiful that you guys have realized, okay, instead of like, why aren't you like this? Mm -hmm. Why are you like this? Yeah. It's, it's, I think it's also like, why is this, instead of why is this happening to me? Why, why isn't this like happening? You know, Mm -hmm. like, I think, I think the more we can ask great questions mm-hmm. and be curious, the better life is. Yeah. And I think that's one of the reasons why like time for reflection and quiet and turning off your mm-hmm. phone and like opening up your Bible or doing some prayer, it gives you time to let the voice of God in and give you that perspective. So I think that's something that's super important. I love how you connected marriage to what we we're talking about with comedy taking a while to, to gel. Mm-hmm. It's like season one of our marriage was like not the best season, you know? Yeah. I think I, I had this image of when I got married. It's like, all right, you first get married, honeymoon period. Everything's great. And then you kind of got to like fight to keep the spark alive. And what we discovered in our marriage is like beginning a marriage was super hard. And mm. we're like way better now than we were then. Like we're, mm-hmm. we're way more in love than we were then. And things that would have mm-hmm. freaked us out our first year of marriage. And now it's like, yeah, not that big a deal, you know? Yeah. So, um, but I think a lot of people don't have that perspective. So, well, I think also marriage is put on a pedestal that is not real. Yeah, and relationships are. And I mm-hmm. think going back to the show, that's why I love it. Is it's they're real relationships, real friendships, and real relationships. They hurt each other, they mess up, they have to apologize, they get into <laughs> deep stuff. I mean, it's a comedy, but they get into very deep. I oh. love so. Um, it's like this when Tom no. When um, Ron starts dating, I can't think of, uh, it's Xena Princess Warrior, but I can't think of her name right now in the Uh show because she jokes and says her name is Tammy, but it's not. Uh Um, When he starts dating her and he wins this like chair thing and he's at this wood expo and Leslie is there and she says to him, I'm just going to call her Xena. Xena says to him, you know, it's not your ex-wife Tammy that I'm concerned about. I'm really threatened by your relationship, your friendship with Leslie. Mm. And the fact that he's like, no, 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 wait. He heard her, but he was like, right now, Leslie is putting herself in front of my ex-wife, Tammy, who um, is Megan Mullally, and they're married Uh in real life, and their relationship is hilarious. Uh But the fact that this couple, Ron, I keep calling him Tom, Ron is so open to having this conversation, and Mm -hmm. she's saying, these are my vulnerabilities that I'm having right now. I'm really struggling with your friendship with this person. And Mm -hmm. he's saying, I can understand why you're struggling with that. Let me tell you what the truth of the matter is. Mm -hmm. He's not negating her. He's not gaslighting her. He's not saying you're crazy. He's saying, I can understand that. We are close, but this is where we're at. And then she also feels validated and heard. There's just so much of that that is... It is so beautiful the amount of learning you can um, Mm -hmm. acquire by watching this show. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. When my wife started, when me and my wife started dating, one of the things she was surprised at was that I had so many female friends. And I think it it wasn't like an issue for us, but it was something that surprised her because in her life, 
almost every guy that she was friends with was really just like trying to get with her, was really just like trying to get something from her. And there were very few guys who were just interested in being her friend. And the fact that I had several like close female friends that were totally platonic that predated my relationship with her, like she, she like in some ways she was like that, that I knew that I could trust you because mm-hmm. I knew you weren't just trying to get something from me. You were actually interested in me. Um, you know, and we, last weekend, my wife and I went with my, my good friend, Julia, who I've known since college, the three of us went up to Philadelphia and saw Taylor Swift together and is, is, it was awesome, you know? And so it's, it's cool to have a relationship where you can really trust each other. And that's Mm -hmm. something that's built. That's not just something that happens. Like Mm -hmm. you have to be trustworthy, but also trusting. And, Mm -hmm. um, anyway, yeah. Is there another character we want to dive deeply into? I feel like we've, we've, we've hit Leslie pretty good. Um, I think, um, Tom is a really great character. Oh, yeah. actually also April. April. I think both Tom and April are both really, really good, but I think Tom's a really good character. Let's do Tom and then we'll hit April. Okay. Okay. Um, so Tom is, Tom is so fast. Okay. So right. We see different facets of these relations or these characters in our own selves. So I'm very much Tom too, because Tom is constantly trying to prove his worth. And mm-hmm. I talked about this on the Sarah Bareilles episode that I was a bully kid and I was, I moved out to LA because I loved acting. I loved performing, but honestly, I was trying to prove my worth. And I was trying to prove that, you know, all the people that believe me and all the people that like, I, I'm valuable. I'm beautiful. I'm all these different things. I'm valuable. And Tom throughout the course of the entire show is a kid that was bullied for being Indian in South Carolina, mm-hmm. which in reality, um, he was an Indian kid in South Carolina uh-huh. and he was small and he was always trying really hard. And you watch him be this kid who tries to prove his worth to finally realizing his value and his worth. And that, again, comes from relationships, come from his um, ability to let go of certain things. Um, And obviously his friendship with John Ralphie is like one of the best things ever. But I love watching how how hard he tries to be awesome and cool and sexy and fun. And like, I mean, he's so funny and he's so, it's so gut-wrenching. There's an episode where he's trying to, he has this cologne and it smells so disgusting, but he's trying to get, what's his face, the cologne guy who's played by Jason. He's so funny and he has such a funny podcast called How Do This Movies Get Made? It is not a safe podcast to listen around children, but it's very funny. (laughs) And Jason Manzoukas. And uh he's trying to get him to buy his cologne and Jason Manzoukas is so mean to him. And you just see, like in those moments where you just see him desperately clinging to anything. And especially like, I've put you on a pedestal and I want you to tell me my value and worth and now you've just pulled me down and, oh, it just kills me. And there's also an episode where Leslie is doing some stuff with her campaign and he just totally makes it about his company that's failing. And, you know, he's constantly making it about himself because he's constantly trying to crawl out of a Mm -hmm. hole of just deep, deep, deep lack of identity. And it's just so sweet to watch him finally grasp and gain who he really is. Yeah. And it's, there's a really beautiful scene later on when, so Ron has this ex-wife, Tammy, who is just like totally toxic. And those are, those are hilarious scenes when Tammy comes back in and she's just like, yeah, do it being totally ridiculous. Um, but Tammy and Ron are about to get like remarried in like a library or something like that. And Tom shows up and interrupts it. And Basically, he just lets Tammy beat the crap out of him because he knows that mm. that will make Ron finally slap, snap out of it and see what a terrible person Tammy mm. is. And he just lets himself 
get beat. And that's finally what makes Ron be like, no, I was caught in your spell and now, now I see it. So it's like very, very sacrificial. And it's, it's, mm. uh, it's Tom early on season, season one or two, Tom wouldn't have been able to do that, but yes. it's really beautiful to see the love that those characters have for each other. Um, and so, again, with Leslie, like basically jumping in front of Tammy and like, I think even like she even like gets her in a car and like takes her on a long. Oh my gosh, they're in a, with her in a dumpster. Oh, it's so funny. I, it's so yeah. funny. It's so funny. It's. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing about the show is that it's somehow, and that's the disarming wit, right? It somehow is so ridiculous, and yet it like gut punches you, uh-huh. and you're like, "Am I what? Am I tearing up right now? Or mm-hmm. why did this remind me of something that I need to like process in therapy? Mm-hmm. Like, it's just such a smart show. So smart." The the Tammy scene that always gets me is Tammy is like once again like trying to seduce Ron and for some reason they're in a library again and she just like totally takes off all her clothes and they like yes. have, her, have her blurred out and Leslie's like what are you doing and the librarian comes over and goes shh it's a library and Leslie's like she's naked well remember because the library is their like this is the antithesis this is their nemesis their arch nemesis uh, oh, is right, the library right. to the parks right. yeah no it's so there's so many great. There's so many great things in it. Um, I also love when he's back with Tammy and he has to watch himself make a video and basically say like, oh, yeah. she's got you under her spell. And I was, and then I love his first wife, Tammy, who find out was his Sunday school teacher and babysat <laughs> him. And she, and I, oh, Patricia Clarkson, so amazing. I think it's Patricia Clarkson. It's Patricia something. And she was like, she was like, is he being audited? And she's like, in a sense, yes. And in another <laughs> sense, no. Like it's, And I love how April's so obsessed with her because she's so evil. Like uh, I just, there's, it is so well crafted and it's, mm-hmm. you know, storytelling, God is the ultimate storyteller, mm-hmm. but well-crafted storytelling is just so mind blowing. And mm-hmm. I just love it. It's so, so, so good. All right. So let's get into April. Cause you said you yes. want to talk about her too. Yeah. So. April starts off as kind of this teen intern who's just kind of like, whatever, I don't care about anything. You know, Mm -hmm. I just kind of got a frown on my face. And then she turns into like one of these fan favorites. And yeah, yeah, she's, she's crazy. Um, What do you make make of her journey? Her journey's so sweet. And so, okay, this is the other thing that I love about every single one of these characters. They have journey, they have growth, but they never lose, they, they never lose who they really are. And they always Mm. retain their actual self. Yes. So April never loses herself. They call, they name their son like Jack-o'-lantern and call him Jack. Like it, it, she still like, you know, loves darkness and all these things, but she's, mm-hmm. she also understands real love. And I love how much, like at one point she's, <laughs> she's in like a thruple relationship with these two gay guys. And then Andy and her are starting to like each other and they're mocking her for liking Andy. Cause he's simple. And the way she defends it and I just love watching her realize um, there's reality in love and whether that's romantic love or, um, or friendship love or, you know, familial love, there's something so beautiful about that, like softening her heart and her seeing um, that it's okay to be vulnerable. Yes. Um, and then she'll snap back, you know, I love there's, she hates Anne because Anne and Andy used to be together and Andy uh-huh. kisses Anne um, and she like hates her, but then it's really sweet when they have like a couple little sweet moments throughout the entire series. Um, and then just watching her find her footing, yeah. you know, and also watching her relationship with Andy, they love each other and support each other so much as well. They, they cheer each other on They're long distance twice for different mm-hmm. job opportunities for themselves. 
Um, each of them have one. They and and the way she cares for Andy when he doesn't make the police academy and just yeah. there's just so much that is she really really loves people well, mm-hmm. which is a testament to who Leslie is because I think yeah. she loves people well because she sees Leslie and. So years ago, I was on a show called Neighbors, and I worked with this one guy who was in a movie with her. And she was the lead of the movie. It was um, like a time machine thing with the guy mm-hmm. from New Girl. I can't check. This Jake is Johnson. Aubrey Plaza who plays April. Aubrey Plaza, yeah. yeah. And he was very close with Aubrey Plaza. I assume they still are. And he said that Aubrey like got gifts for everybody and treated everybody like at the end when they wrapped the movie and just treated everybody so well. And she was so vulnerable in saying, I learned this from Amy Poehler. I learned how to be at the top of the call sheet. And top of the call sheet is every day there's a call sheet that tells you who's working that day. Sometimes they're still on the call sheet, but they wouldn't be working, let's say. Top of the call sheet is who's working that day, when their time in for makeup is, when their time in. And top of the call sheet is the number one or number two. Those are the stars. So Aubrey was the star of that movie. And she had seen how Leslie treated every, sorry, Amy had treated everybody on Parks and Rec. And she, what a gift that she, that she was able to recreate that love community. Cause it really is when you're on a set, you're like at a summer camp almost, yeah. especially a movie. And so, um, you know, being number one on the call sheet is a lot. And for her to be able to treat people with such dignity and respect is such a testament to Amy Poehler, which mm-hmm. is such a testament to that show, because I think that show mirrored so much about really what was going on behind yeah. the scenes as well. Uh, especially in a, industry like Hollywood where it can be so competitive and backbiting and cutthroat and like, you know, I want to get this role. No, I want to get this role. You know, like it can, it can be that way. So to, I think to foster um, that sort of atmosphere and set that sort of example is a real gift and a real act of love. And I just think have, having a attitude of collaboration over competition, yes. especially yes. for creatives. Like what's good for me is what's good for you. You know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a flood raises all the ships, you know, it's, it's yep. going to help all of us rather than like, well, I could have done that. You know, there's a, there's a, a joke about guitarists. Um, how many, I'm a guitarist. Uh, how many guitarists does it take to cho- to change a light bulb? Just one. And then all the others stand around and say, I could do that. <laughs> and I mean, when but you're that's creative, like- there's there's that temptation. And so I yes. think it's really beautiful when someone's able to set the example and be like, no, I'm not threatened. Like we're all on the same team here, you know? Yeah. So. Very much so. Very and I think going back to marriage and going back to family, we're all on the same team. And yeah. I think the reason when you're in a look, I've been in comedy situations where I don't I can't trust the situation mm. where I Am I going to get edited out? Am I, it's just like, it's a very weird, it's very weird because it's this very competitive nature. And then I've been in situations that are so collaborative mm-hmm. and that's also very weird because it's, it's very rare mm-hmm. and exactly to your point. And I, I think that, you know, I know people who have worked with some of the best comedy people and they will edit out their stuff because it's funnier mm-hmm. and because they don't, they don't want to get somebody that. Yes. Upstaged. Yeah. Yes. Wow. And then I've worked with people that are like, this person literally shined a light on me and was like, go do your stuff. Yeah. And that comes from that deep identity of just knowing that your value and worth doesn't come from your work. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't know if you watched the friends reunion, but listening to Matthew Perry, just talk about his deep anxiety, if he didn't get a laugh. And mm-hmm. I know that so well. Um, and it's humbling to be like, oh, I know that 
I know that. And I also know the reverse of feeling very safe and feeling like it's okay if I don't get the laugh or don't get that, you know? So uh, it's two, two yeah. things you said that reminded me of things is in, so CS Lewis has this great book called the great divorce about, mm -hmm. it's like a bus ride of people who live in hell and they, they go and visit heaven and mm. in heaven, the, he says that the people who are, there's like people singing a beautiful song and the people who are singing are able to appreciate it as if they were watching the people singing and the people mm. who are watching the people singing are able to appreciate it as if they were the person singing. There's like such a deep communion between them. And, mm. and you get this in some relationships, professional relationships or marriage. It's like, or sometimes with kids, like when the person on your team wins, like you win because they win. Like, you know, when my wife graduated from grad school or when she had a baby or even just, you know, she comes home from work and she, uh, you know, did something awesome at work. Like her wins feel like my wins. And that's a little glimpse of the kingdom of God and the, the sort of mm. communion we're going to be able to have. The other thing you said that I, I wanted to highlight was you were talking about how each of the characters, even though they go on this dramatic arc, they're still fundamentally at their core, mm -hmm. like true to themselves. And mm -hmm. I think that is such a Christian vision of growing in maturity mm. is that when you go on this journey of, you know, God come into my life and, you know, show me your way. Like when you're, you're, you're following your calling that God has called you to and your vocation and your spirituality and your charism, God doesn't make you less of who you are. He makes you more of who mm -hmm. you are. Mm -hmm. And there's a, a Saint, Saint Jose Maria Escriva who has this line that says, you know, when you're talking about your flaws, don't tell me that's just the way you are. And that's just your character. That's your lack of character. Like mm. the, those bad things about you, they're not actually who you are. Those are actually like little pieces that are missing from who you are. And when you grow into the maturity of that best version of yourself, that saint, holy version of yourself that God had in mind for you when you cre he created you, you're going to be more who you are. And mm -hmm. we're not defined by our faults and our failings. We're defined by the love of God and like the beauty of himself that he has poured into us to make us mm -hmm. in his image and likeness. So I just, I see that really well reflected in this show that, mm -hmm. you know, April is more April at the end than she was at the beginning. Leslie yeah. is more Leslie at the end than she was at the yes. beginning. And that's just, you know, the, what I've seen in my, my own life. And, and really like that is for me when, when at my times, when I am doubting God the most, when I'm doubting the church the most, that's what I go back to as like my bedrock of like, this is why I believe this is why I'm still Catholic is because I look at what it's done for me. And like, I am not the person that I was and there are things that mm. I've gotten through and there's things that I've overcome. And the person I am today has only happened because of my faith in God and my journey with God through the church. And I know that's not everybody's experience, but for me, like fundamentally, that's why I, I, I still am riding the Jesus train and drinking the Jesus juice and trying to, trying to live this life is because I know what God has done for me you know, mm. and I know it couldn't, it couldn't have happened any other way. So, mm. yeah. No, I, 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 yeah, I resonate with that a lot. I think also for me, um, I've tried a lot of other things mm. and they're not sustainable and they're not fulfilling. Oof. And whether that is, um, different faiths or a lack of faith or idolization and worshiping of, uh, a dream or career or a person or whatever. It just, nothing is sustainable. And, and none of that has offered me the peace that sitting with God and just letting go has allowed me. And, mm -hmm. and I wrote this in, in our notes for the show, 
um, you know, the thing that I love about this show so much and the show literally like I could cry, it draws me closer to God than probably anything else. All right. <laughs> like that's, that's maybe that. the chosen, <laughs> like maybe the chosen, like the chosen in Parks and Rec in terms of like media. Yeah. 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 Uh-huh. Um, adoration is pretty great too. Uh, <laughs> but like there's so much that is the gospel in the show, what we were just talking about, but especially the, that life, you know, what do they say in Ferris Bueller? They're like life comes at you fast or in Boy Meets World, they're like, get a helmet. Um, like my life is, I mean, I wrote a freaking one woman show called Crushed. Why is it that the boys you like never like you back? I have a podcast that's why is it that the life you like never likes you back? My life is literally marked by crushed moments. Mm-hmm. My life is marked by my dreams not coming true. And I am learning to embrace the rejections and the crushed moments and actually allow them to, I, it's not that I'm learning right now. I've been learning for years and years and years, but, and I wrote this in the thing, but like much like the Holy family, God has pivoted my life in ways that literally are like, get up and move now. Mm. And it, it, and sometimes it's, I get to make the choice to move. And sometimes the choice is made for me. Um, and that is what I love about Leslie's trajectory is that there's so many moments where she has no control. And for a woman who loves control, that is mm-hmm. hilarious and really um, piercing to watch. So I don't know if you noticed the word you used, but you said my life has been marked and you said mm-hmm. marked several times. And it just, it, it makes me think of, you know, the marks mm-hmm. uh, uh, in Jesus, like our love is supposed to be cruciform. Like the mm-hmm. crucified Christ as Christians is our sign of victory that much in contrast to our American way of thinking is that the way to have a blessed life is like a life of comfort, a life of ease, a life of easy living where we avoid suffering as much as possible. Mm-hmm. The cross teaches us that there's something redemptive and really beautiful in suffering turned over to God and given purpose. And um, that's what the cross does is it, it, it conquers and lets us know that these crushed moments that we go through are not the end. In fact, they might actually be the road mark that is mm-hmm. going to lead us to that true blossoming of, of who we really are. And something I really love about your story, Kirsten, is even though you've had these moments where your dreams have been crushed, you have continued to live a life that is brave and mm-hmm. like going forward. Like a lot of people would like, if you listen to the Sarah Bareilles episode, like you found out, correct me if I'm wrong, that your fiance was cheating on you, right? Like yeah. as you, as you were like <laughs> making your wedding invitations, right? Yeah. And you continue, and a lot of people would have written off men at that point, right? A lot of people would have written off relationships and you are open to it again. You know, you have been open to, um, you know, fostering a, a, somebody into your home and adopting them into your family, like that takes some real bravery, especially when you've had these moments where your dreams have been crushed. So I think that, and that's the gospel, you know, that's, that's really, I think the life that we're, that sort of radical love that Jesus calls us to. And it doesn't, it doesn't always look the same for each person. For some people, it looks like doing a really amazing job in their career. For some people, it looks like homeschooling their kids. For some people, it looks like 
you know, being a priest or religious for some people, it looks like being an actor or, you know, there's, there's myriad different ways that God calls us to this cruciform love. But I just, I love your example and your witness in your own life of, even though I've been crushed, like this is not the end, you know? So. Yeah. Well, and I also think as much as I've been crushed, it's nothing compared to other people. Mm. And I'm very um, aware of my privilege in a lot of ways. Yeah. And my privilege is, I could say when he destroyed my heart and when he cheated on me and all these things. And the story is so layered because it is so much more than just he, I mean, he went on his bash. It's just like, it is so layered. And it's so funny because I forget these details and right now I'm rewriting it and I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot. Oh my gosh. What was I thinking? But that's because I had a testament, like my parents' marriage was so wonderful. I mean, they had their own stuff, but like, it was so wonderful. My dad was such a loving father. I got to see other marriages around me. I knew, I watched one of my best friends go through a horrible breakup for eight years and then find this guy in South Africa on Table Mountain in Johannesburg or Cape Town, I think Cape Town. Like I, and he was so perfect for her. And I remember this moment of like, I don't want that marriage, but that is so perfect for them. Mm -hmm. And it gave me, and I think that's why I share my story is that, there is so much hope in the redemption of these marks. There is so much hope in the suffering. And it doesn't mean that suffering ends because my goodness, the amount of suffering I've had since we got married is mm -hmm. massive, but it's different. I know I'm always love. And Bradley and I just, we've been doing these things on TikTok where we just like, it's been for my depression, actually. Um, I got diagnosed with PMDD, which is like uh, period depression, hormonal depression. Mm -hmm. And my depression had been really, really dark. And um we've been doing it in the morning and it's been like upping my dopamine and it's been great. And we just do these silly videos and we just did a video about like how love is a choice and all these things. And I think that like, there's so much to be said with love is not easy. And yet it really is easy. I know that sounds so weird, but it's like, you know, when you were saying this is, I know God because I've seen evil. Mm -hmm. And if there's, there's gotta be an, an, an antidote to the evil. Yeah. Like I've seen evil in ways that I would never even speak about because of the people that have been involved in my life. And I've been allowed in, I've had the honor of hearing their stories and sitting in their stories mm. and the evil that they've experienced, the hardships, the suffering, everything that they've experienced is I have, I'm humbled in my suffering. Yes. I've, I'm not going to, you know, in crush, we always talk about no comparative suffering. I'm not comparing yeah. myself. I'm not saying, Oh, I shouldn't even feel sad because of look what they, but at the same point, I can also, both things can be true. Yeah. I can mm -hmm. suffer and they could actually have deeply, deeply suffered mm -hmm. maybe more. Yeah. Uh, it, that what you said about how there has to be an antidote. I've seen such darkness and evil. That's exactly C.S. Lewis's like conversion mm -hmm. story. And yeah. so anyway, that's, that's really beautiful. Um, thank you for sharing all that. And thank you for, for sharing so openly. There's one more thing I want to talk about before, uh, we good, cause there's one more thing about. I want to talk about. Okay, good. How do you want to go first? Um, no, cause I want to hear what you have to say. Okay. So what I was going to talk about is I, I think, kind of the crux of this show is Leslie and Ron. And I think it's kind of set up in some ways to, to, to parody America in that Leslie is like all about the government. Like she loves Joe Biden. You know, she's like, she's kind of the stereotypical liberal in a lot of ways. And then Ron is like this live off the grid, eat lots of bacon, uh, you know, kind of libertarian, extreme mm -hmm. conservative. And they, at the beginning, they have like such, a resentment towards each other. And they're like constantly disagreeing. And Ron's trying to like 
screw up all her plans, but mm -hmm. they end up having this like deep abiding love and respect for each other. Mm -hmm. And something I've come to realize in our increasingly polarized culture the past few years, especially as more of our interactions have moved online, is when I was younger and we weren't all on social media so much, I would ha get together with some of my friends and have a discussion about things in the world, politics or whatever. And even if we disagreed, if we had like a vigorous debate at the end of the night, I still felt, I felt closer to them because we had like mm -hmm. kind of talked it out. But mm -hmm. if that same discussion with the same words happens online, I feel distanced from that person. Mm. Same person, same exact things could be said, but because it's not in person, mm -hmm. it, we can't see each other as it's harder to see the person there. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think that's something that Parks and Rec beautifully shows is mm. that we don't always have to agree on everything. Even if we vehemently disagree on some things, like if we actually just live life together, if we have, sorry, fancy Catholic words, solidarity with each mm. other, where we see each other as our neighbors and our brothers and sisters and actually have shared experiences together and not self-segregate into our echo chambers and socioeconomic classes, mm. we actually really can love each other, even though we disagree. And I think that's something that we've lost and we're losing in mm -hmm. our increasingly online world. So, well, I think we're also losing it because we're not listening. And I mm. think that goes back to Leslie and so many of the characters when they actually listen to each other, mm -hmm. you know, Ron and Leslie, the, what I also love about their relationship is in the last season, they go through a really hard period where they don't talk for a few episodes mm. and my goodness, when they get back together and that episode is so funny, but it's so um, I needed it so bad. Like I needed them to be okay. And I needed them to have communication and I needed them to, and the only Gilmore girls, when the mom and the daughter weren't talking, it was the same kind of thing. Like I needed that. And I have people in my life that we have a strained relationship right now. And a lot of it is because of the stuff you were just talking about. Mm -hmm. And I, much like Prince Harry would love to just sit down and hash it out. But mm -hmm. that's, but I'm dealing with people that can't do that or, or, or just not in a place that can right now. Mm. And I think it goes back to way in the beginning, we were talking about Leslie and me learning that I, sometimes the best way I can love people and myself is just by letting go and, mm. and giving them space. And I think the problem is, is when we move everything online, we're actually not giving each other space yeah. and we're, we're trying, we're just, it's all, we're just scared. I'm scared. Yeah. Like I'm scared that the people that I love are going to believe something that is just so, so I'll be the first one to admit. And I don't lead in fear. Like I'm not a fear-based person, but I'm scared. Yeah. So, and I, and I, you see that with the characters, you see them do things because of fear. I mean, Tom totally messes up Leslie's thing because of his fear. Yeah. And there's so many times where I think, it's look, I think a lot of people watch reality television because they want to be able to say like, well, I'm not that bad. Yeah. It's nice. Right. Well, yeah. I think watch Parks and Rec to be like, I am that bad. Look how they learned. I can learn. And I'm going to laugh along the way and sometimes be gut punched and start crying. Mm, yes. Yes. And it's much, much healthier than a, a lot of kind of infotainment nowadays, which is very much based on drumming up fear. You yes. know, they'll, they'll take the craziest person they can find mm -hmm. and say, you see this, this is what they, and they never define exactly who they is, but right. it's normally, you know, some vague amorphous blob called the left or the right. They mm -hmm. say, this is what they really want. This is what they really are trying to do to our children. This is what they really want. You know, it's like, you know, you found the craziest person you could and then made them representative of, 
you know, half, half the country. Like it's, it's just so much based in fear, but there, there's that like little, you know, disordered tribal itch within us that wants to be like, yeah, we're the good guys. They're the bad guys. We want to fight the bad guys. Like it goes to our like lizard brain and mm-hmm. feels really good to feel all angry and, and self-righteous about it. And I, I once heard uh, a really good definition of propaganda is that propaganda is when you're given information and then told how to feel about it. And you're given information and then told how you should feel about it. And mm. so the next time you're scrolling on YouTube or something and it's like, this person destroys this person, you know, or this person is despicable, you know, like it tells you how you should be emotionally reacting to it. And that's, that's the fear-based. So Also yeah. just know this, if you ever join, right when you join TikTok, you will be, I, I've never seen anything like it. You will be inundated with people trying to help you learn TikTok to grow. And mm. every single person they talk about hooks, 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 hooks. And you want to get people, the number one hook is to get people angry. Because mm. angry people will share, they'll comment, and they'll engage. More mm. than any other, um, fear and anger will engage more than anything else. Wow. And if we engage, we're on the app longer. If we engage, we're, we're going to keep scrolling. So mm. I think it's really important to know what is being manipulated within you And to take a step back and discern kind of like what we were talking about, to take a step back, to take a beat and be like, why am I feeling like this? And, and I, you know, I've had this incredible, something I think I've watched God and this kind of goes into the last part that I was going to say. Um, so the episode, there's two episodes for me that, um, kill me every single time. Mm -hmm. There's a two part with Leslie and Ben's wedding and they are going to get married and then they speed up their wedding and they're going to get married at this tent and then everything goes wrong and they're stink, stink bombs with jam. And it's such a good episode. And they, I'm not going to, if you haven't seen the way they get married is exactly the way they needed to get married. And it's so beautiful and so simple. And so them, and there are times in my life where I feel like God, first of all, God thinks he's hilarious. Oh my gosh. He thinks oh, he so thinks funny. he's like, no, you think you're funny. That's cute. Yeah. I created comedy. Uh-huh. God has been reminding me recently in very hilariously annoying ways. He's like, your favorite show is Parks and Rec. The reason you love it is because everything falls apart over and over again. And then it gets put back together. Look how many times they've put back together your life. Stop trying. Just let it go. And I'm like, no, 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 no. And he's like, but you love content. I'm giving you so much content. Shut up, Kirsten. (laughs) And I look at the, my other episode that I love is when Leslie gets voted off of city council and she, I'm going to cry. And she is like, I'm going to get back on it. I'm going to do it again. And all her friends are like, okay, well, we love you, but that's crazy. And Catherine Hahn comes in, she's this political operative and she's so good. And she says, the scene is so good. And um, you should link it because you can find it on YouTube. I mean, people share it all the time because it's such a good scene. And she goes, yeah, you could do that, but why would you want to? You've outgrown this town. Like go and effect change somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And I'm in the middle of trying to figure out, like I walked back into the business after eight years gone. And even though I was creating and writing on stuff, I didn't go back into, and I started auditioning again. And I felt like God was like, hey, throw your net back in. I, so I hadn't even, when you and I recorded, I hadn't even had an agency meeting yet. Mm-hmm. So right after that, a couple months later, I auditioned for Jury Duty, which is a show that's blowing up right now. I auditioned for it and I was on hold for three months. And that was, if you've ever been on hold for anything, being on hold for three months is really hard, especially when mm-hmm. you're about, they, if you get it, you're going to have to move to LA for th- like, and not see your kids for two. Like wow. it was such an amazing opportunity because they needed people that were in improv and that nobody knew. Mm-hmm. So it was like so perfect for me, a guy that was a writer on the show, 
he used to be the assistant to this producer that ghosted me that was going to make all my dreams come true. It just was, I was like, God, it's all lining up. It's all happening. And I'm on hold for three months. And I created these two characters and it was incredible. And I didn't get it. And I didn't get it because I think two reasons. One, the whole point is they're, it's like they're creating these characters. So I had created, so could they fit those characters in? The other reason is I think they found out I really didn't actually live in LA anymore. And they, mm. so there was like two things that happened, but I was on hold for three months. And let me tell you, I've been on hold. I was on hold to be Jan, the Toyota girl for three months. And if I had gotten that, we would be millionaires right now. Wow. It was between me and her at the end. I shot three test commercials. Oh. The amount of times I've had almost happen had been so many. Mm. And I say this because I don't know what God has in store for me. I'm like thrown out. I'm like, I felt God be like, Kirsten, throw out the net. And I'm like, Peter. And I'm like, nope, I did this already. And you, and nope. And God's like, throw out the net's going to be different. So I threw out the net and I've, it has been different, but I don't know if I want to keep going yeah. because I'm in a toxic relationship with a boyfriend that doesn't love me named Hollywood. And so it's such a weird push and pull. And I think of Catherine Hahn so much saying like, rise above and affect change in a different way. And I, now I'm like, okay, God, how? Because I thought it was from writing, directing. Mm -hmm. But even that, like I'm get guys, I like the amount of times I've almost sold something is crazy. And I'm mm -hmm. like, okay, God, where, where do you have me right now? And tomorrow I have a meeting with someone and I don't want to share what it is, but it is insane that this meeting is happening tomorrow because tomorrow is May 17th. And May 17th, 2009 is when my ex walked in and said, I don't love you. Oh my God. And the third week of May is also when my daughter was born. Mm. Three years, four years later. And May 17th is when I'm having this meeting tomorrow. And I don't know what this, what's going to happen with this meeting. But I'm sitting here and I'm like, okay, God, I don't know what you want from me. And I've been praying a lot about this episode with you because I was like, God, I want to be able to share something for listeners to know that like, I don't have it all together. Like yeah. I, at this point right now, I don't know what that, what, when Catherine Hahn is saying it to Leslie, like Leslie didn't know. And I don't know. And what came out of it is national parks came and she was doing national and her trajectory to get to be her dream, which is probably, we think it's president of the United States. Mm -hmm. It took a totally roundabout way. And so I'm like, okay, God, I'm, I feel like you've taken me on so many roundabout ways, like the Holy family. And our life has the amount of times we've been, picked up and moved physically or emotionally is so many, it's like, it's too much to count. And so I'm, I'm just sitting and I'm like, okay, God, I don't know what's happening, but I'm just going to sit and wait and do my best. And so, you know, we're in a strike right now, which is hilarious because I'm like, God, I don't know what you want. And God's like, great, I'm going to, we're going to be in a strike. So you don't have to make any decisions. So don't go to the grocery store hungry. And he's like, don't make a decision right now. Wow. So I'm in the middle of a 40 day Ignatian prayer adventure. I'm taking it real slow. Like it's probably gonna take uh -huh. me 80 or 120 days. Wow. I'm just like, all right, God, if you, I've walked away from this business before I can do it again. I don't know. I, I yeah. literally, I sit here and tell you, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think that's, that's beautiful to share. Cause I think sometimes when you have a bit of a platform as you do with TikTok and I do with this show, there's a temptation to think like, yeah, those people have it together. But like the reason I'm a Catholic speaker and podcaster and stuff is not cause I'm like the holiest dude around is because like, I'm good at talking and explaining stuff, you know, like that's, that's what that I know that's a gift of mine, but it's like, not cause I'm the, like the holiest dude around and I know I got my own stuff to work on. Well, I'm perfect, and, but I'm so yeah. grateful that you're being vulnerable <laughs> right now. <laughs> so, I, I wanted to thank you for that. Um, 
I wanted to share something with you. So tomorrow, May 17th is an important day in my life because it's so one of my good friends from college, uh, Dan, he died of cancer at like the age of 33 and mm. the day he died was May 17th. Mm. So, and he's, he's not like officially canonized in the, the church, but I, I think he's a saint and I ask for his prayers mm. all the time. So I'm going to, I'm going to pray for you tomorrow and I'm going to ask Dan to pray for you. So Thank you. Uh, yeah, you're welcome. Thank you. So I God's also will be done. But thank you. I also want to shout out one thing that you did that I loved. I think I messaged you, but you put up like, hey, I don't really want to brag, but I'm trying to feed my family. So this is what people have said about my speaking. And I just want to say, yes, like how, like that is so like, it is so scary to be a creative. It is so scary to be someone that's just trying to feed our families. And we feel like we're following God's will, but then it's also like, okay, but like, how do I make money? And like, uh-huh. it is so scary. And so I just want to say like, I was so, I loved that. I loved uh, it. You. And I loved that you were so transparent. You were like, look, yeah. I don't really want to share this, but I got to. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Thank you. You're, you're not the only person that has reached out to me and be like, yes, I'm so glad you shared all those things. Cause yeah. you, know, you want to put up these testimonials, you know, after the, after the talk you give, somebody says, Oh, this was so great. I'm coming back to church or, you know, I, this had such an impact on me, but it's like, you don't want to seem like you're bragging, but, uh, yeah. Also need to eat and feed my family. So yeah. <laughs> so thank you. And for what's the idea. line? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know either. I, I think it's just, you know, it's, it's a, it's a tension that is, is healthy to healthy to balance. So mm. yeah. All right. So, um, a- anything else? I think we need to pull this in for a landing here. No, any, any I, I, I feel great. <laughs> I feel great too. Thank you, Kirsten, so much. Is uh, so I told my listeners at the beginning that we would give them some practical advice to walk away with. So, is there just one thing from this episode that we've talked about that's your takeaway point? Yeah, I think it's to allow God to um, pivot your life mm. and to trust in the process. And to tell him when you don't, you're not trusting. Because I tell him all the time, I'm like, I really want to trust you right now, but I just don't trust you. And I think go back to, um, was it the, the the Israelites that put stones down? I can't remember, but they it was like a memory stone to remind them of the gifts that God gave them. Like write a journal, um, write down your story so you can go back in those moments when ish has hit the fan where you can go back and remind yourself because you're going to be sitting in those moments where it's just going to feel like nothing can work out. But yeah. that wedding episode, everything does work out. Yeah. Watch the wedding episode and watch the episode, the two part where Leslie wants to go back into city council after she's just been voted out. I think mm-hmm. both of those are just so um, powerful and who God is and how much he loves us and how much we've got to let go and let him. Amen. I think my takeaway is what we were talking about with how God changes us and takes us on this journey, but it's not taking away from who we are. It's actually Mm. making us more Mm. of who we are. And so listeners, I would encourage you to, if it's been a while since you've prayed or if it's been a while since you've done a retreat or, or in some meaningful way, hand your heart over to God, you know, take Mm. some time to pray, maybe open up your Bible, get together with a friend, go to church and just renew your openness to God. And like you were saying, your trust in God, because Mm. that's something we do need to do continually. And that's Mm -hmm. how we let God in. That's how he's able to purify our hearts and help us become the awesome, amazing person that he's calling us to be and helping us to be, to live in his image and likeness. So that's my, uh, 
advice for our listeners today and the advice I'll be taking to heart as well. Mm. Kirsten, I often ask my guests if at the end of the show, they will close us in a prayer for just everything that we've been talking about. Would you be Mm -hmm. willing to do that for us? Yeah, of course. Awesome. Listeners, wherever you are, let's take a moment and let's pray. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. In our family, we say, yay, Jesus, because my husband's a Protestant. Yay, Jesus. <laughs> yay, Jesus. Um, Lord, I just, I just really want to thank you for this conversation and thank you for the creativity of the people that created and worked on Parks and Rec, from the person that did craft services to wardrobe to actors, writers, producers, and the people at NBC that allowed it to be there. There's something so beautiful and holy about the show and irreverent. And we just hold space that that anybody that hasn't seen this or watches it again, that you um, speak to them as they watch it. Um, and more than that, God, I just ask that you speak to hearts right now, the hearts that are in pain because their dreams didn't happen. They didn't get into the college they wanted or the boy or girl that they like doesn't like them back or the dream that they had isn't going the way they thought it would. They didn't get the job offer they wanted or um, the housing that they wanted, that someone has hurt them and they're in pain. And I want to pray especially for hearts that are struggling with relationships that believe so differently than they believe, Um, that they know that you've got this and that it's okay. They don't have to be in fear for another person and that they can just lift up that person to you constantly. And every time they want to control the situation, that they take a step back, take a breath, and give it to you, God. Lord, I thank you so much for the discussion and the talk that we've had today. I thank you for marriage and team members and families. One of my favorite things that they say on the show is that we love each other so much, we just wanted to add another person to our team. And whether or not the vocation for you is marriage or not, I just ask that, God, you just fill our listeners with team members that can come alongside them, support them, love them, and direct them toward heaven. We ask this all in your name. Amen. Amen. Yay, Jesus. Yay, Jesus. Yay, Jesus. All right, Kirsten, thank you so much. If people want to follow you and all the wonderful things that you're doing, where should they go? Uh, They can go to TikTok at KirstenLines.com or um, Instagram. I recently put private on almost all my, I have very many Instagram accounts, but I do have one public. It's small, but it's Kirsten Lines Roar. But honestly, Mm -hmm. just go to TikTok. It's awesome. Yeah. Very good. Cool. And I'll put all that in the show notes as well. Okay. Listeners, thank you for being with us. If something we have said, if something you've listened to during this episode has touched you, I would encourage you to share it with someone. Maybe there's somebody you know who's going through some stuff that could really relate to some of the stuff we talked about, or maybe they just really like Parks and Rec. Uh, Take a screenshot, share the episode with them. Say, hey, I think you would like this. That's how our show grows, and that's how we can continue to help this message of God's love touch people in some tiny way. And if you really want to support our show, you can go to popculturecatechism.com and become a patron. There's different levels of giving that you can pick from that will fit your monthly budget or monthly tithe or however you're into to giving or su- supporting the creators that you love. And that helps all the shows at Awaken Catholic and especially Pop Culture Catechism. You can also go to catholicmerch.store, st- catholicmerch.store. And that is our merch store. I'm holding this shirt like this is one of the shirts from our store. It's not. But we do have <laughs> lots of awesome shirts from our store. And all of that 100% supports the mission of Awaken Catholic. Um, also, the Awaken Catholic app is getting a brand new update, which uh, I 
Can't tell you too much about yet, but uh, that's coming. So stay tuned for that. Thank you so much for listening and we love you and God loves you more. We'll see you next time.